Hello there. You're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Wednesday, the 22nd of March. Today, I am joined by Agata Damanska, who is a Watson's Daily ambassador. Hi there, Agata. How are you doing today? Hi, thank you, Peter. How are you doing? Yeah, all good. All good. Uh, So what are you going to talk uh, about today? Uh, so today I wanted to talk about the Bitcoin story. Yep. Uh, in Wall Street Journal, there was an article that Bitcoin bumps in a wake of bank crisis. Mm. So keeping it still with the bank crisis topic. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, it, it's interesting how Bitcoin has been booming, um, especially because of all the other disasters going on around it. Yeah. So uh, going back a little bit on Bitcoin. So as we probably all know here it is a decentralized digital currency and it's operating in this peer-to-peer network which is not controlled by any government or financial institution Mm -hmm. so we see that it seems to be very dependent on them on at least it's really sensitive to them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, all of the transactions are recorded on public ledger uh, which is called blockchain and it is maintained in this globally accessible network so um, it is um, created through this process called mining and all of those powerful computers verify all of the transaction what's happening and record them on the blockchain Mm -hmm. however what's interesting about the bitcoin is that it is a limited um, cryptocurrency to 21 million meaning Mm -hmm. that once it reached the limit, there won't be creating any new Bitcoins. Um, So uh, with these assets, uh, we've seen uh, in this article that it has surged 21% in March. uh, And it has been like a biggest boom uh, in a really long time. And uh, first time uh, since uh, June 2022, when we Mm. see this kind of movement. and it is really the opposite of what's happening with regulated financial institutions. Mm. It seems to be like this adverse uh, reacting. Yeah. And it, yeah, it still continues to rise. Um, there were um, investors um, in this article, it's written that investors added uh, $35 million into exchange traded pro- products that mm-hmm. bet against Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And Bitcoin still continued to rise. Mm. So it is a little bit difficult to have this confidence in it, mm. as it is definitely an alternative to traditional banking. Yeah. Um, and we've seen that uh, Bitcoin's like initial purpose was like this independence uh, after the 20, 2008 global uh, financial crisis. Yeah. And it has still retained a status among other um, cryptocurrencies as being an asset removed from the banking system mm. and the government bonds. But in comparison to other cryptocurrencies, it is still the hot topic. It is still growing mm. and we're not we're not just forgetting about it and it's still coming mm. back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, with those movements, obviously, people are trying to make a theory of how did it happen mm. um 
However, with cryptocurrencies, currencies, it's really hard to determine their movements. Um, mm -hmm. There are loads of companies which take interest in that. One of them is uh, Kaiko and their uh, director of research, um, Clara Medali. Uh, she believes that the narratives with the Bitcoin price movements more partly than any other assets class. Mm. Um, and going back, Kaiko is this company, which is a market data provider in blockchain-based digital asset space. It provides institutional investors and market mm. participants with enterprise-grade data infrastructure. So mm. they seem, they look like a very serious company, but what they're saying is basically that because there are the number of Bitcoin buyers and sellers is near its lowest point since summer 2022. Mm. It's why the surge is happening. Mm. As you said in the Watson's Daily edition today, it doesn't really adds up. Mm. It might be a reason, but it sounds like a really dodgy one without <laughs> very specific, mm. uh, very specific explanation. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that with this, you know, I, I I've said to you before that. I reckon that I can I can very much explain where, why Bitcoin comes down. You know, mm -hmm. like maybe you know a, a common one is you know de-risking of portfolios. So that means that you've got investors who may be not so confident about the macroeconomic environment, and they think, "Oh well, I think I need to have less risk, uh, less exposure to risk." Because what happens with great this sounds like i'm being spider-man now but with great risk comes great rewards although that's that's slightly different to what he spider-man said but anyway uh with great risk is you know can, can come great rewards um and the thing is if you think that the economy is going well you might be more willing to take on risk uh, i.e buy assets that are you know maybe not brilliant fundamentally but the mo momentum is really good with them like let's say ai um yeah anything to do with ai or any company that's got ai mm -hmm. in it in the title um and then but then you know there are times when when you, you know things aren't going well in the economy and you think well actually i need to re rethink this because i need to make sure that i don't i'm not exposed to too much risk um so you then look at your portfolio and then you think okay which bits of the portfolio are risky and bitcoin will be right up there at the top of the list so i mean these kinds of things these kinds um you know they're, they're, that's why it will fall for instance quite a lot but um i do find consistently that that the explanations as to why it goes up are very poor you know, I mean, the fact that they that they say something like, um, oh, it's a small number of really rich um, crypto mm -hmm. investors is such a useless explanation. I mean, you know, so when I, I was saying this in Watson's Daily, I mean, when I was um, a stockbroker and there'll be some times when there'll be a big price move or something, I'd look at it, think, I don't know why it's gone up, you know, a, a a client would ask me, can you find out why this has gone up? I've got this in my portfolio. So then I go, yeah, okay. I used, then used to walk over to the traders and say, listen, guys, what's the, you know, why has this gone up? You know, and sometimes <laughs> they would give me quite a good explanation. They, you know, there would, mm -hmm. there would be some technical reason, but other times they would, they would say, 
you know, things like uh, short covering, um, which is which is always quite a good one because it sounds quite technical, and it, and it can be that sometimes, or um, yeah, or other explanation. I mean, the, you know, they, they this is the sort of explanation that they would give um, if they didn't know what the answer was. So, um, so I mean, I'm not. Sh- I'm sure that the, I'm sure that that expert that was asked, you know, maybe have an inkling, maybe I don't know, um, but yeah, it, I just never know when. You can never believe these people in terms of when it why it comes down, why it goes up. <laughs> I just don't know. Um, but um, but anyway, I mean, it's it's uh, you know, it's interesting stuff. I, I have been thinking about this the last few weeks because you know before we mm-hmm. had this even this you know, um, banking nightmare that's going on at the moment. I was thinking, you've got all this, you've got this FTX malarkey, you've got all these, um, you know, you've got a couple of crypto lenders who've gone out of business as well as FTX, you know, some of the smaller rivals, you've got pressure on Binance. You know, why is Bitcoin going up? I just couldn't understand. Um, But, you know, but it is, and there we are. And I I guess that, you know, it just shows that... um, you know, it is it's a risky asset i agree with the fact that you know if you know i think people uh, are obviously perfectly free to um invest in bitcoin but they have to they have to realize that they could lose everything so um you know as long as people are okay with doing that you know as in losing the amount they put in then that's fine um but you know all i'm saying is you know don't put your rent money on it <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely. But I think it's also interesting that uh, in the US, ever Mm. since regulators started to cracking down on some of the biggest crypto investors Mm. and uh, looking on the markets, the investors have pulled about $424 million Mm. from global exchange traded products that struck the price of the Bitcoin. Right. And at the same time, they added around $45 million into ETPs that mm. track the inverse of Bitcoin's price. Yeah, yeah. So it seemed like looking a little bit from the other side, maybe. Mm. Uh, but I feel every time people are trying to put Bitcoin down, it decides to go up randomly. Mm. <laughs> and it yeah. never works the way we want to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, you know, interesting stuff, but but dangerous, I'd say. So, yeah. Um, maybe some brighter story from you, Peter. Then, uh, well, well, possibly, possibly. I mean, so um, the story I was I um, wanted to talk about today was a story uh, about Brussels. Uh, so the European Commission um, looking to try to co- find some sort of deal or compromise with Germany, because recently what has happened is that um, the you know, the European Commission. Um, pretty much cobbled together an agreement um, whereby um, a co- internal combustion cars, new contern- internal combustion cars, would not mm-hmm. be for sale from 2035. Um, obviously, in the UK, it's 2030, but in Europe, it was going to be 2035. It looks like everyone was going to do that. Um, but then Germany said, no, we don't want that. We want it to be, mm-hmm. um, you know, we we want to be able to sell uh, cars that can run on e-fuels um, uh, you know, uh, after that. So we think that there should be uh, um, an exception uh, for cars running on e-fuels. So e-fuels, synthetic fuels, mm-hmm. supposed to be a bit more you know, eco-friendly. Um, so they were trying to argue that. Now, today, so the today's, uh, uh, today's story, 
is all about mm. how um, the European Commission has come back um, and said that they actually, OK, then we're going to create a new category of vehicle that um, that only runs on e-fuels and you can you can sell those. Um, and the idea there is that those cars will have something fitted to them that means they can only run on e-fuels and not on petrol or diesel. Mm -hmm. So um, I think there are a few takeaways from this. One is it shows how powerful Germany is uh, in Europe, especially when it comes to cars and manufacturing. Um, the fact that the, the European Commission needs Germany to say yes. If it doesn't, this will not go through. So this is this is how powerful the Germans are um, on this. And um, on the other side, you can understand that why Germany is digging its heels in, because um, car manufacturing makes up about 20 percent of Germany's industrial revenues. So this is a bit this is a big deal. Now, I think I mean, for what it's worth, I don't know. This is just me having a guess here, but I I suspect that Germany will think, well, you know, they will realise that this is uh, fully realise how how powerful they are here. And I would have thought there's no reason for them to just go, well, actually, no, we'll stick with what we want originally, which is, you know, sales of those um, cars that run on e-fuels and other fuels, because it just gives them it gives them more um, latitude really mm -hmm. um i mean obviously what they could do is they could try to make it so that it, it, they do it before 2035 or on 2035 and and accelerate things but by negotiating this now and giving themselves like i say the latitude mm -hmm. to and uh, um to maybe overrun or, or or something or have it you know blur the lines of when um electrification actually occurs um, it just ma makes life easier for them. So, but then another thing I would suggest with that with it might come from this is that if this does go through, so if somehow, you know, there's a 2035 um, rule, um, then I, you know, in terms of a, a deadline for electrification, I wonder whether this gives a lot of uh, car companies um, the excuse to delay their the rolling out of their electric mm -hmm. vehicles so for instance i think jaguar so jlr jaguar land rover is talking about 2035 um i mean there's another uh one today you know i was talking about with maserati i mean um mm -hmm. it's about is 2030 but if the rest of europe is 2035 does seem that you know why why wouldn't you if you were a car manufacturer why wouldn't you just sort of delay it a bit um but uh but but anyway yeah, yeah so i think this is very interesting it does show how powerful germany is and really germany can do whatever it wants really in this case so it will be interesting to see whether it holds out for what it wanted in in the first place um or whether it will meet um the europe uh, european commission somewhere in the middle um because i think originally they did want i thought that they did were looking at 2040 um so so yeah Anyway. Yeah, we definitely see that in the last five years, there have been quite a lot of changes with mm. what approach they want to have with mm. EVs or hybrid uh, vehicles or whatever combination to make them more eco-friendly. Mm. Um, so it is interesting that they even want to push this deadline sooner, which in theory mm. would be good, but 
with how many things have to be adjusted for it. Mm. It is a little bit risky as mm. they might not meet this deadline as mm. that it was before 2040, which gave mm-hmm. them extra five years. And mm. here we are like, I mean, obviously it seems like ages now, mm. Uh, mm. but in terms of manufacturers and global businesses, it's not that much time. Mm. Uh, especially that it's not something that is yet prepared to be. There are still developments that have to be done mm. as those eco-friendly uh, solutions are not necessarily as eco-friendly as they seem. Mm. We have this big problem with disposing um, elements of EVs. Mm. And yeah, if like everything's going to stick with lithium batteries and maybe those e-fuels, we don't really know what exactly is their impact on environment mm. maybe it will turn out that in five years they would also have to be replaced with something else mm. so that mm. that will be interesting to see if there is some sort of long-term plan or is it just like a current solution for mm. five years to change it again in 2040 yeah. yeah it's very difficult to tell and i think that um you know so many car manufacturers and battery makers have poured so much money into the batteries that we have now um you mm-hmm. would you would wonder whether there's going to be that much effort put into other things but i mean i you know recently we've seen um some interest in hydrogen fuel cells and things but you i think you quite rightly mentioned the there's still going to be the overriding problem of how do you dispose of um if you know, or reuse um uh current um, uh, electric vehicle batteries because at the moment it's very difficult because I believe that you that it, it has to be people you can't sort of stick it in a machine and then mm-hmm. it, and then it you know they'll somehow melt it down and separate or race it all out or something it's not like that um, I believe it's um, a case of you have a load of people sitting there on a production line picking the thing apart and that's very expensive so um, so yeah it's it's you know, it's one of the challenges. I think that, the, I, you know, I would certainly say that the, one of the design challenges of this is going to be, um, you know, how to make batteries that not only have good capacity, good range, etc., but mm-hmm. that are easily um, recyclable. Because that's the, that's the other problem, isn't it? With, you know, at the moment, we've got raw material, you know, lithium shortages, cobalt probably mm-hmm. going to be, you know, shorted, you know, going to be shortage, nickel. Yeah, all, all of those all of the yeah. raw ingredients. So it just makes more sense to be able to keep using the same stuff over and over and over. Um, but yeah, but I mean, that's another, I guess that's another podcast though. <laughs> of course. But, uh, but anyway, I guess I'll stop there. But um, is, is there anything else you wanted to add at all? Um, maybe just that uh, when we see those changes and happening with European Commission, mm-hmm interesting to see like in this global aspect soon because mm. it is different in in the states it's different in uh eu it mm-hmm. might be completely different in china um where there's some cities have those high taxes when we have car with bigger oh, yeah. volume produced so yeah. uh, i i'm thinking it will be very difficult for car manufacturers who want to be global to mm. maintain all of those different restrictions Mm. if they want to be unified mm. so maybe the car manufacturer will be doing even better in some regions to yeah. make sure that those cars will be available everywhere 
yeah. as it is usually easier to produce the same models with the yeah. same compartments. Yeah. But I guess that's something we'll see, and it can be really interesting to see what car manufacturers are going to do, uh, trying to stay between being the most innovative or the best in the market, and then still having to comply with um, different regulations. Mm. No, fair enough, fair enough. Okie dokie. Right. Well, I think we'll end on that note. Um, so thank you very much indeed for your thoughts today. Thank you, Peter, for having no me. No, no problem. And thank you very much for listeners for listening. Um, just going to mention that next week, so a week today, um, I'm going to be reviewing the month of March, uh, the news um, from the business news, the financial markets news and showing you how these things have developed over time, which is very, it is very useful for your own understanding and helps you to, you know, build your knowledge more quickly. Um, so yes, that is a week today and the registration, you know, if you, if you're not already registered, um, the details are at the top of what today's Watson's daily. They're also on our link tree on, you know, on, on, on our Instagram. So uh, please head over there uh, and, and get, uh, you know, get registered. Anyway, uh, thank you very much indeed. Um, have a lovely day, whatever you're up to, and uh, we'll be back again tomorrow. So many thanks. Thank Bye. You. Bye.